0: man who invests so much into our children. I have uh, little Henry who is only four years old. But over the last few weeks, Brother Bennett, he's been telling me he wants to get the Holy Ghost. He wants to be baptized. He's starting to understand. He said, Jesus and God, that's the same person. Yeah. And it's all because of the sacrifice brother sister Bennett and, and brother and sister Jonathan and Madison amen we thank you for all that you've done amen we want you to come and preach the word to us Amen. why don't we all stand in honor to the word of God in honor to the man of God and say preach to me brother Bennett amen praise the Lord church praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm gonna uh, <clears throat> we're gonna do some kind of Pentecostal calisthenics you can be seated uh, I'm thankful for what I feel here tonight, and uh, my wife is going to come. She's going to get ready to sing a song uh, before I preach tonight. But I would, I'd absolutely uh, echo some of the sentiments of, of Brother Chris as far as uh, our youth uh, at NYC. My wife and I, we were fortunate enough to uh, help in the Kids Quest services uh, on Wednesday night, and so we got to be in there with some of the younger ones. And from the second you hit the door. Uh, Well, it was a little wild, I'll be honest with you. Uh, But I... I, I, Let's see, the best way to say it, the Kentucky district was represented well. Uh, We have very good kids here in the Kentucky district, very good youth in in the Kentucky district. Uh, I think we should all be proud if somebody came up to any of the the kids or the youth that were there and they said, where are you from? And they said, I'm from Kentucky. I go to uh, Brother Cook's church in Madisonville. We, We would all be proud. Uh, of them and how they conducted themselves. Amen. Worship with Sister Bennett as she sings. God good tonight. Amen. God has been so good to us, so very good to us. Amen. I'm gonna be reading from Genesis chapter 19, starting at verse 15 tonight. And I want to thank Pastor Cook for an opportunity uh, to speak to this congregation. I never take that lightly. I don't think anybody does um, and I appreciate and, and I'm humbled by the opportunity. Uh, my wife, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for her. You know, I like, uh, I like a little bit of a quiet house. I don't think I'm unlike so many others. But when my wife is singing with our kids and she's playing the piano, You know, there's, there's nothing else I'd rather listen to. You know, than to listen to a home filled with the praises of God. And I think, I, I think that song. I remember that. I remember the first time I heard that song, and that was at our church in uh, in Alabama, where um, where we had a lot of ups and downs as far as our our time in Alabama. But that church was a refuge for us. Uh, in a time where there was a lot of unknowns and a lot of challenges. You know, it was like you could just come in there on a Wednesday or a, or a Sunday and every, everything was just washed away. You know, and, and just for those couple of hours, it was, it was just a refuge for, for our spirits and for our minds. And that's, that's what I think about when, when I hear that song. So we're going to read. We're going to read starting in Genesis 19, starting with Verse 15 and it says when the morning arose then the angels hastened lot saying arise take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city and while he lingered the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters and the lord being merciful unto him they brought him forth and set him without the city and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And jumping to verse 24, it says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains. And all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And we're going to focus on that on that last verse, but his wife looked back. But his wife looked back. And and I would preach to you on a very simple subject. You've probably heard a hundred times. Don't look back. Don't look back. Pastor Cook, could you pray for us tonight? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And so, starting out, we know that the Bible tells us that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were were wicked and exceedingly full of sin. We know that. And Lot and his family, uh, they, they end up in these cities after a separation from Abraham. Abraham and Lot were both successful at what they did. They were both herdsmen. And the Bible says that they were rich in cattle and and herds and silver and gold. But there comes a point where where Abraham and Lot, they had to separate. They had to separate because their herdsmen were were, uh, quarreling, were not getting along with each other. And so based on what it looked like, Lot chose to, to pitch his tent towards Sodom. And most of us know this story. And as God prepares to judge the cities, he sends angels ahead to warn Lot and his family. I find it amazing sometimes that, that even in their sin, even in their state of disobedience, God still dispatched angels on their behalf. See, even when we can't find our own way sometimes, he's still reaching for us. He's still providing an avenue for us to get back, for us to, get back to him. And the Bible tells us that, that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And he said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But see, we have, to be, we have to be committed to God. We have to be committed to his word. We have to be uh, committed to holiness. We have to be committed to living for God. We have to be committed to the house of God. We have to be committed to serving God. And that word committed, uh, we could look at some definitions of that word committed. It means to be bound to, to pledge, to be dedicated, to be loyal to. See, we can't be blown about by every wind that comes along, every wind and every storm. We can't, we can't throw in the towel when there's when there's a hardship. We can't. Get weary just because there's a storm. Simply stated, we can't look back. We can't go back to where we came from. And sometimes what we look at is, is far more important. Uh, it, it's more than just what we see. It's what we allow into our lives, into our, into our minds. And just as Lot's wife, we can, we can lose so much with, with just a little look. Just a little look back into the world can cost us, cost us our very lives. I would tell you that there's a danger in looking back. Not only is there a danger in looking back, but there's also a danger in looking around. Don't compare yourself to other people. We know that our youth, they deal with the peer pressure just like any other generation. That's that's nothing new. And it's not just our youth, it's our adults as well. Uh, we can let the youth in on a secret. Maybe they don't know. Adults deal with the same thing sometimes. But don't think that, that your life will altogether get better if you could just partake in the things of the world, of the things that everybody else is doing. And see what I mean by the world, essentially I'm, I'm, I'm talking about trends, right? R- whether it's in dress or, or maybe how we talk or, or where we go or, or maybe the activities that we do. Trends come and go, but we know that the Word of God is settled. We know that the Word of God, it never changes. It's a rock in our life. We don't need a, to provide a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, uh, we just need to simply follow the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and we'll know, we'll know what we should do. We'll know what we shouldn't do. If we provide a list of those do's and don'ts, we're simply going to go around those. But see, if we're seeking the Holy Ghost, if we have the Holy Ghost, if we're genuinely seeking the will of God, God's not going to lead us astray. A lot of times we look for an answer and we'll call everybody we know, we'll call everybody in our contacts and, and, and a lot of times uh, you can see people will put a question on Facebook asking for, for spiritual advice or, or advice and any number of things and they're willing to listen to anybody in the world but the word of God. I would say that the temptations of, the, of this world are too flashy, too enticing, too readily available, too seductive, and, and altogether too unforgiving to be letting our guard down. You know, the devil, he's smart. He's smarter than we could ever be on our own. That's why we need to yield to the leading of the spirit. The devil is patient. He's wise. He's, he's tactical. And how he works. Church, parents, young people, we need to be prepared. We need to be prayed up. We need to be ready to stand against the enemy when he comes. When he comes against our family, when he comes against our children, when he comes against our young people. We can't take a casual approach to the safety and to the salvation of our family. This is no little matter. I would say that there is cause for alarm when Satan is more concerned about us going to hell than we are about making it to heaven. I'll say that again. There's calls for alarm when Satan is more concerned about us going to hell than we are about making it to heaven. You see, the devil is satisfied with just, just getting you to look at sin, just, just getting you to peek at it, just getting you, just to entice you just a little bit, just getting you to look, just one little look back. And if you look at sin long enough, you become comfortable with it. It becomes ordinary. And when, when you become comfortable with it, you begin to act on it. And over time, something that you thought would never, ever affect you, something that you never thought you would do, all of a sudden it becomes normal to you. It becomes every, every day to you. It becomes a part of your life, and you, and you look back and you wonder how you got there. And, it, and if we trace that back, if we ask so many people that are lost in the in, in the pits of sin right now, we could trace it back to just one little look, one, one decision, one, one mistake, one enticement. And I think we can all agree that the, that the concept of time is something that for most of us can be difficult to comprehend. It's an odd thing. There never seems to be enough, but yet we take for granted that there will always be more of it. And there, ha- there are, however, instances in our lives which which can pay- painfully remind us that we do not have unlimited time. And so I I thought back of a situation. I guess now it's been several years ago, over ten years ago. Uh, I, I believe we were getting ready for uh, Kason's second, maybe maybe his third birthday. And uh, we were getting prepared. I believe it was going to be the following day. We had church that day, and we had church at about uh, I think it was probably one o'clock in the afternoon. And so after after service, we, my wife and I, we had had a discussion. We had to get some cupcakes for the party because you know what's a party without cupcakes, right? right. So uh, in our town, we had we had one option, uh, well, several options I suppose, but one one. Uh, Viable option was Walmart that so many people go to, and so I thought, you know, well after church I'm just going to swing into Walmart and I'm going to, I'm going to grab some cupcakes. We'll be, we'll be done with it. We're on to the next thing. All right, party's parties set. And my wife was adamant that Walmart wasn't going to be good enough. We couldn't go to Walmart uh, because they, their their cupcakes just weren't good. We had to go, we had to go to Kroger for cupcakes. I, I'm sorry, I had to go to Kroger for cupcakes. <laughs> which was about 20 miles up the road in another town. And, of course, I think that's ridiculous. Cupcakes are cupcakes.
1: <laughs> so
0: so I did what, any, what anybody in their right mind would do. I, I went to Kroger's and got the cupcakes. <laughs> so there it is. And I don't think it affected the party in any, any way, but we did go to, I, I did go to Kroger and get the cupcakes. And so I was on my way home, and I was driving, and uh, and I was coming down the road, and I, I happened upon an accident. And and for some of you that maybe don't know, uh, I work in uh, fire and emergency services, uh, and at that time I was uh, I had the job as a firefighter. So this wasn't something necessarily that I was um, that was unusual to me, but it was a little bit different that I would. I would see the accident, uh, you know a lot of times um, in the fire service, when we get dispatched to a motor vehicle accident there's there's several minutes in there, you know, just by the course of somebody seeing it and, and realizing it calling nine one one and a dispatch and then you got to drive there you know it, it's it 's probably anywhere between five and ten minutes, depending on where it 's at. but I saw this as, it, as it just as it just happened. Uh, this gentleman had swerved off the road and 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 he went down an embankment. And and he his vehicle, it was a, a white Ford Ranger, and it and it rolled, it rolled through the trees, and it and it tumbled and it and it tussled through the trees until it finally finally came to a rest at the bottom of the hill. And there are you know, throughout my career, there's probably a handful of these incidents that have probably stuck with me, and this is one that I can remember nearly every detail about. And so I stopped, you know, as most people would. And, and at this point, there was there was one other car in front of me that had, had stopped, and a and a, a lady was standing on the on the top of the hill, and and so I ran up there, and and I was dressed very similar to what I am tonight, and. uh, and I just, I ran up to the top of the hill and I looked down and I could, and I could see the truck at the bottom of the hill. And, uh, and without thinking, you know, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, you know, I'm, I'm dressed in my church clothes and I just, I ran down the hill, but I really didn't run. I kind of stumbled, you know, because it's, it's muddy and there's trees and there's rocks and, and I've got slick shoes on and, and I got down there just as fast as I could and, and the way it seemed like the vehicle had rolled. It was almost almost as if he had been tossed about and he came out of the window and it was almost like the vehicle then rolled on top of him and then came back to rest on its wheels. And so I came around the vehicle and and uh and I knelt down beside him. And I I tried to make sure, you know, to the best of my ability that you know uh, it wasn't going to get any worse, you know the vehicle wasn't going to catch on fire or, or whatever you know whatever the case would be and uh, and I came around the vehicle and I saw him and he was a he was an african American man he had he had white white Nikes on they were nearly nearly brand new barely used. He had on blue jeans and he had on a white shirt and he had on one of these uh, one of these pullover jackets that that were really popular in the 90s. And it was a San Francisco uh, 49ers, you know, one of these pullover winter, winter jacket things. And, uh, and his legs, his legs were broken. Both of his legs were broken in the middle of his, of his thighs, and they were folded over onto his chest. You see, sin, sin's, not, sin's not a joke. And, and I don't mean to be too graphic about it, but when we when we start to play with sin there's serious consequences and so so i I didn't know what to do and and you know like I said normally as as my job when when you would respond to something like this because of the del- the delay in time that that patient would be in, in a much different uh Situation by the time you got there, right? Normally, um, in something like that, the patient would probably be unconscious. So, to be honest with you, it kind of takes some of the some of the human factor out of it. It's just a job at that point. Um, not that you don't care, but I wasn't sure what to do, and I, and I was, and I, I tried to move them a little bit, and and. Uh, and he asked me to move his legs. He said, "Just, just get my legs, get, move, move, my legs." And so, I, and so I grabbed his legs and and, and I moved him, moved him back down. And it was, it was like there was nothing left. It was like, it was like his the, the pants of his legs were, were filled with straw or or jello. There was there was there was nothing left. And uh, and so I moved his legs and. and and somebody else had come down and uh, was trying to help and, and, and I really didn't know what to say to him because I knew, I knew how this was probably going to end based on his condition the, the severity of, of his injuries and all I knew to say was I said what's your name and he said Alan Miller I'll never, I'll never forget him he said Alan Miller and I didn't know what to say. I, all I knew to say was, Alan, I'm Dan, and I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. I, I didn't even have the heart to tell him it was going to be okay because I knew that it wasn't. I just said, Alan, Alan, I'm not going to leave you. And so at about that time, he, he began to lose, very quickly began to lose consciousness. And, and at about that time, the, the rescue squad from town they, they pulled up, and they began to get all of their ropes and, and their uh, pulleys and all of this stuff, and we got guys down there that put them on a stretcher and on a, on a backboard, and, and we all helped carry them up the hill and, and put them in an ambulance. And the ambulance took off towards our town, which the hospital in our town had a very small hospital, so you knew if they were taking somebody with those kind of significant injuries to our hospital, uh, it probably wasn't a good outcome. And so ultimately the man did succumb to his injuries. And so that just left me with a very uh, vivid understanding that, that time is short and time can change uh, when, we, when we very, very least expect it. You know, how many times have we, have we heard or felt the call of God in our life only to convince ourselves that we're going to take that, that step next time? We're going to come to the altar next time. We're going to make a change next time. You know what, maybe, maybe we've got maybe 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 we've got aught between us and a brother or a sister. And maybe we think, you know what, N- next time I see him. Next time I see him, we're going to make amends. We're going to get this right. We're going to put it back together. Next time. See, we take for granted that there's always going to be a tomorrow. We take for granted that we're going to be afforded another chance we, we're not guaranteed that luxury luxury of time Second Corinthians 6 17 says wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you see this tells us that we're, we are to come out from among them and be separate separate ourselves but not isolate ourselves not isolate there's a difference And this gets blurred and it gets skewed pretty easily depending on uh, who's looking at it and uh, whose opinion you take, I suppose. But we're all called to come out from among the world. We're all called to that eight-letter word, holiness. right? We're called into sanctification, understanding that that is a process. We're called to be a light in this dark, dark world. Those of you that were there as, as Brother Hammond priest on the second night of NYC, our, our youth group should be expected to be set apart. We have expectations. Not because, not because we want to make life difficult, but because there's more expected. Right? We should stand out in a crowd. Someone should say, what's different about them? Why, why are they different than everybody else? Now, we have those expectations, and it's, it's not a drudgery, but it's because God has called our youth to so much more. He's called each and every one of us to so much more than just being the average person, just being like anybody else uh, in the world. We're bought with a price. We, we have a name applied to our life. Amen. We're, we're children of the king. We ought to be different. We ought to stand out. And if some of this doesn't apply, then I'll just, you know, just kind of take it in stride. But but we shouldn't be so fast to jump on the bandwagon of those latest fashion trends or to adopt the current culture of slang terms, which some of us probably can't even keep up with. There's bougie, bussin', drip, extra, salty, shook, basic, bruh. Okay, dude, vanilla, and sus. <laughs> and that's just some of them. And most of these are just half of a word. It would, it would take very little breath to say the rest of the word. But Anyway, we don't need to have any, any cliques in our youth group or outcasts in our youth group. Amen. I would caution our youth about relationships and emotions that uh, kind of go hand in hand. Sometimes don't don't be so eager to grow up. Sometimes don't be. Right. Listen, you got the rest of your life to, to deal with grown up problems. Enjoy being young. Amen. And I know that you're surrounded by a world that that teaches that that f- physical relationships, honestly, between the opposite sex are casual and don't mean much. But be careful what boundaries you allow yourself to cross. That's right. Don't listen to the world. And that goes back to comparing yourself. That's the danger in comparing ourselves when we begin to talk to our friends and say, well, what, what do you and your boyfriend do? What do you and your girlfriend do? Well, maybe I should do that because I'm not going to be as cool as you. Or maybe you should do this or you're not going to be as cool as me. And I hope this is all right. I mean, this is the real world that we're living in. I know sometimes we act like it's not, but it absolutely is. Know that no matter where you're at, and I, and, I, and I know you probably don't like it, and you probably hear it from your parents, but no matter where you're at, whether it's a youth outing, whether you're at NYC or sitting in a church service, you're representing your church and your parents and ultimately God. You are constantly building your reputation that will follow you for the rest of your life. Hold on to that. Only you can control that. You and God control that. Now again, in saying all of that, I commend our youth for their dedication, for giving of their talents, for the desire to serve others, for seeking the will of God in their lives. Like I said, you you could walk around the, uh, the hotel at NYC and you could see that not, not everybody's getting the same thing. Not everybody's instilling the same thing in all, in all of the young people. And sometimes that can be easy to be led astray. It can be easy to look at another group and say, well, if we could only do what they get to do, if we could only have the fun that they get to have, if we only didn't have the rules that they have, that can be real easy and enticing. So I commend you for all that you do and all you stand for. Understand that you're not just some random young person. You're not just some random person put on this planet. You have power. Yes. Acts 1 and 8 says "But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're not just some random young person. You're, when you're born again, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a power that the world doesn't have. You have an understanding of God that the world doesn't get. Through the Spirit, you have the power to overcome and to resist that sinful nature, that lustful nature, the prideful nature. You have the power to change the lives around you. You have the power to win lost. You have the power uh, to witness about the goodness and about the mercies of God. You have the power to affect your school. You have the power to win your city. You have the power to affect your family. You have the power to make a difference. You're not just some random young person put on this world to get through life each and every day. You're different. You're peculiar. You're set aside. Genesis 18 and 20. It says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. I will know. See, it wasn't just the sin. It was the unrepented sin that brought the judgment of God. See, we know that we all fall short, every one of us, and we're all given an opportunity to to come back to God the same way don't think that you've ever done anything uh, too bad that you've ever gone too far that maybe the mistake you've made uh, nobody's made i'm not going to stand up here if I could stand up here with a slideshow and show you everything that i've done you wouldn't have you you might not have me up here i'll be real honest with you but there's nothing there's nothing you can do there's nothing you could think that most people don't already know about you're not you're not overly unique that you're not the only one going through it. Trust me, your parents have dealt with it, your grandparents have dealt with it. Everybody has dealt with many of the same things that you're dealing with. But we have to come to God, we have to be honest with God. We have to come to Him and repent. And that's not just saying, I'm sorry. Right, We learn this from the time that we're in little, little kids. We, we learn this from the time we're in Sunday school. It's not just saying I'm sorry. It's a turning away of a behavior. It's a setting down of some things. It's a letting go of some things. Some things are meant to be let go. Some things are meant to be dropped. Some things are meant to be set down. Some things are meant to be buried. See, as God prepared to rain that judgment upon the city, Lot and his family, They flee with explicit orders. Very explicit. It says, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Very simple. Look not behind thee. Neither neither stay in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Very explicit. I I say in my house a lot of times, follow simple instructions. Right? And that's all God wants us to do. Follow simple instructions. Who was laughing at me. We might say, was it really that big a deal to look back? What? I mean, really? Was it that big a deal to look back? It was just a little look. It, it really doesn't matter. God said don't look back. Right. We can say, is, is this going to be a sin? It's just a little look. It doesn't matter. God said don't look back. Is that going to be a sin? It doesn't matter. It's just a little look. God said don't look back. You know, a key indication that you're begin to, beginning to reason with sin is when we, we, we can tell that we're beginning to justify it, Is when we say things like, I don't think or I don't feel. And respectfully, as, as I can say, God's not interested in what we think. He said don't look back. God's not interested in how we feel. He said don't look back. Your feelings will uh, will lead you astray. Your, your, your feelings will lie to you. Your instincts will lie to you. See, we've been called out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We need to stay out of the, that darkness and stay in the light. Romans 6.15 says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under the grace? God forbid. So essentially we're saying, well, because... Because God will forgive me anyway, that means I can do whatever I want, right? No. In the book of Jeremiah alone, the phrase, thus saith the Lord, or a variation thereof, is, is mentioned 150 times. You see, the Word of God used to be good enough. We could just go to the Bible and find instructions. The Word of God used to be good enough. What the preacher said used to be good enough. What the pastor said used to be good enough. We need to stop leveraging the grace of Jesus Christ to provide an excuse for sin. We need to graduate from this my way or no way attitude. See, we don't need to, we didn't, we don't need to get upset when things don't go the way we want it to. We don't need to get upset when, when we can't have exactly what we want. And I feel like there's a story in the Bible about somebody burying talents, about somebody keeping talents. See, we don't need to bury our talents because we're not afforded an opportunity to use them the way we think that we ought to be able to use them. God gave you those talents to be used for the kingdom. Don't hold back on God simply because you don't get your way. Some of y'all are glad you don't live with me. See, you don't always have to agree. That's okay. But you don't have to hinder either. See, I, can, I can give you a pretty pretty clear example me and me and brother Chris we're nearly polar opposites he'll give he'll give ten things he wants to do. I'll say let's do four of them and then we can meet in the middle and do six of them and we and we can work it we can work it out though he can lean left and I can lean right, one can go forward and one can go backwards and just just level it all out. Level it all out. We may not agree on everything, but we agree where the ship is going. We, we can agree w- w- where this thing is going together. We, we can agree that we're in a ship together and that, that the salvation of, of a city and of, of our children are at stake. See, why would, why would I go, just because I don't agree, why would I go? I used to have somebody that said, Don't poke holes in the boat. Right? We're all in the same ship. Why would you poke holes in the boat? We're all in the same ship. Just because you don't agree. Especially when your kids are riding in that ship with you. Then you're going to wonder why there's water in the boat. Sister Bennett, start the car. (laughs) See, it's through the Holy Ghost that we can We can resist the things of this world. The Holy Ghost isn't a one-time experience. Titus 3 and 5 tells us that it's by the washing of regeneration and the renewing. The renewing of the Holy Ghost. Right? If we would all walk in the Spirit each and every day, each and every opportunity. and And I can preach to myself. If every time I got irritated, if I prayed till I spoke in tongues, I probably wouldn't be irritated very much. My wife would probably like that. So I can, I can preach most of this to myself. In fact, when I sat down and wrote this message, I thought, what can I do better? And I just wrote it down to myself. That's all right. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be closing if the musicians would like to come. In Genesis 19 and 26, it says, but his wife looked back from behind him. And she became a pillar of salt. She looked back. And now we don't know exactly what it was that made her look back. Maybe, maybe she was just nervous about where God was leading them. Maybe she was nervous about where God was taking her. Maybe she had just become too comfortable with some of her surroundings. Maybe, maybe she had become too close with some of that sin, some of those things in that city. Maybe, maybe there was a little uneasiness about walking away from some of those so-called friends and acquaintances that were in her life. It doesn't really matter either way we know that she did look back. We know that something distracted her, something caught her attention. See, we all have we all have distractions. We all have distractions. It could be it could be Facebook. It could be a job. Whether we're a young person or not, it could be, you know, a job can be a distraction. We all have to have one. I've heard the worst thing about not having a job is having one. But it can be a distraction. School. As a young person, you've got to go to school. You've got to apply yourself. But But if you don't make the rapture, if you don't make it to heaven, it doesn't matter if you've got straight A's. I'll be real honest with you. Our ministries can be a distraction. Ministries can be a distraction. You know that? If, 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 we, if we neglect begin to neglect our family and neglect other spiritual aspects of our life, then that can be a distraction. Because it, when we're not level, when we're not balanced, we're not even being as effective as we think we should be. Gossip can be a distraction. Relationships. A simple phone can be a distraction. Don't raise your hand. How many people looked at their phone during this message? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) But it happens. Sometimes we we can't get through a church service without checking our phones. We've got one sitting on one side of the church, one on the other side of the church, texting each other. I've seen it. I'm sorry. I got eyeballs. Y'all, y'all have seen it too. Hey, it can wait. My phone's outside. See, we see in the Word of God, when we see, we get offended sometimes when we talk about, when you hear the word backsliding. We get offended. We get, we put our, we, we want to put our fists up and get defensive when we say that. But what does that mean? That means, that means not being where you were. Right? That doesn't mean that you're out of the church. That doesn't mean that you've turned your back on God. That doesn't doesn't mean that that you're in heresy or something like that. That means that you're not where you were with God. So can can we look at our lives today and say that we are exactly where we've always been with God, that we're continuing to move forward? Or has there been a time in our life where maybe we were a little bit closer with God? See, we need need to seriously take personal account of of where we're at. If we don't, that's that's where all of a sudden, you know, it's like drifting out in a boat. You don't realize how far you're drifting until you look up. And it just happens a little bit at a time. It only takes one little look to change the course of your life. One small glance, one small little flirt is all the devil needs. One little flirt with sin. We're told to be sober, be vigilant, because the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, the lions look for the, they don't always look for the the weak ones. Sometimes they do. But they'll look for the young ones. They'll look for the ones that just simply aren't paying attention. The ones that are comfortable in their surroundings. The ones that don't see any danger around them. See, Lot's wife, was, Lot's wife was spared. She was gone. She was out of the city. And she looked back from a point of safety. She was, she was already, God had already spared her. And she still looked back. It was just that one little look, just that little distraction that sealed her fate. And I think of that man. I think of Alan Miller, that man that I met for those brief moments that day. And something something distracted him. Something distracted him. Now I had been in several different situations. I didn't I wouldn't have suspected that he was a drunk driver. It was the middle of the day. There's no smell of alcohol on him or in his vehicle or nothing, no reason I would suspect that. It's Three o'clock in the afternoon, he's driving. You know, and, and I, don't know, I don't know what distracted him. Maybe he'd gotten off work. Maybe he just worked 12 hours at a factory somewhere. Maybe he was tired. Maybe, maybe he got a phone call. Maybe, maybe it was a text message. But, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Something threw him off his course that day. Something distracted him and landed him at the bottom of that hill. And as we stand together tonight, as we stand, I would look for somebody that would say in their heart today that that I won't look back. I'm not going to look back at who I used to be. I'm not going to look back at those things I used to carry. I'm not going to look back at, at how I used to be. And we can look at Psalm Psalm 121. It says this, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. You know where our eyes are. That's where we're going to go. Same thing when you're driving. Where you look is where you're going to drive. Some of us parents know that as we're teaching our young people to drive. Right? Ladies, what happens when your husband sees a deer on the side of the road? Guilty. Right, Where our eyes are That's where we're going to go So as I open these altars I would look for some young people That say, would say I won't look back I'm going to keep my eyes Fixed on Jesus tonight I'm going to keep my eyes fixed On him hey Amen These altars are open tonight and, and, it's, and I know that it's one day after National Youth Convention I know that but would there be any young person that would say, I won't look back? Come on, I, I know we don't have the smoke here tonight. I know we don't have the lights. I know you may not be able to feel the music bumping in your chest like you did at NYC. But, but God's the same God. You know, it doesn't, matter what, it doesn't matter what you received at National Youth Convention. It doesn't matter what you received while you were there. That matters what you brought back home with you. What did you bring back home with you? Philippians 3.14 says, I will press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. Is there anybody that would say, I won't look back tonight? Amen. Church, let's find a place to pray. Parents.